Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 1. So, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is the familiar words that come to us from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born. And a time to die. A time to plant. And a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to break down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. A time to throw away stones. And a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. And a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek. And a time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to throw away. A time to tear. And a time to sow. A time to keep silence. And a time to speak. A time to love. And a time to hate. A time for war. And a time for peace. This This is the the word word of the Lord. I used to love these words from Ecclesiastes. I first heard them, perhaps as you did, thanks to Pete Seeger, who set the words to music in the 1950s bird song, Turn, Turn, Turn. Seeger put many of us in touch with some of the Bible's great poetry and a relatively obscure Old Testament book. While it is a catchy tune, there is more here than a song that we cannot get out of our head. We know these words, they feel familiar, they seem to ring true to our experience. No matter what season of life we are in, there is one to follow. No matter the moment, it is impermanent. Grief will not be with us forever, neither will conflict, nor will longing, nor will war. For those in uncharted waters of life or simply having a rough time, these words are hopeful. To the author of Ecclesiastes, life is not chaotic or random, but ordered. His poetry distills life down to a balanced set of dual experiences that we will all have in our own time, in our own season. Though the ultimate range may be vast and different, all of life is summarized in just eight binary black and white verses. The poetry is back and forth. The placement of the words on the page is neat and tidy and controlled, and the options are laid out. We laugh or we cry. 
We build or we destroy. We fight or we embrace. We love or we hate. But if you've ever lived even a little, you know that this beloved passage ignores a critical truth. Moments cannot be compartmentalized. There is no absolute right time for one thing and then another, and no controlling life's capricious nature. Our experiences, joy and suffering, gladness and sadness, do not occur like this. They are neither timed nor ordered, nor distinct. They blend together. There is a bleed from one to the other. I stopped loving this passage, frustrated that it portrays an absence of what life most offers to us, gray. Ecclesiastes 3 is a package of life experiences that is beautiful in language, but lacking in reality. In a simplistic way, moving to Michigan from sunny Florida brought this message home to me. <laughs> There is not a time for winter and a time for spring. There is a time for a whole lot of everything in between, like blooming for Scythia covered in a gentle layer of snow. Our state is overwhelmed with gray. As a minister and a therapist, congregants and patients taught me that like the variable nature of Michigan weather, our state of being is gray. We encounter life as variable, often capricious and unplanned, what comes to us in life is not one experience and then another. Our experiences are not binary, not this or that, and rarely is anything black and white. Life is gray. It is full of uncertainty and vulnerability. Life is a multitask, opposite and similar experiences synchronized. And the simultaneous nature of our experiences is sure. Life has all of these things, but not in this order and not in a fastidious package of experiences or compartments. You can both seek and lose at the same time. In order to pick up the pieces of our lives, sometimes at the same time we must let things go. Sometimes our silence is our best way of speaking. If you've ever been in therapy, you know that sometimes when you're breaking down a memory that has been stuck, you are also building up a life at the very same time. At times, you can love yourself and also hate yourself. I've known Gray. My parents were married for 30 years, but for 10 of those were separated and lived apart. For several years, I visited a young man being kept alive on machines in a persistent vegetative state. He was not quite alive, but he was not quite dead. I've heard your stories of gray spaces and experiences. Your best male college friend underwent gender transition to become your best female one. You were a medical student working on your MD to help heal the sick, only to learn firsthand that for many of your patients, living with illness is the only option. You are indebted to your teacher who has helped you make good choices to build a happy and righteous life, but his own personal life is in tatters because of his flawed decision-making. You raised a child that has become independent with a good job and her own health care, but still she resides in your basement. <laughs> Life experiences happen concurrently. Paul explained this to the Corinthians in more powerful wor words. He doesn't say there is a time to waste away and a time to be renewed. 
These are simultaneous experiences, concurrent rather than sequential. We are dying and growing at the same time. One enables the other to happen. As we age, our choices, our loyalties, how we spend our days, these things are influenced by our recognition that while we love life, we will not enjoy it on this planet forever. There is only so much sand in the hourglass. We seek God's purpose for us in our time, spiritually maturing as faithful people, precisely because we get that such time here is limited. And so faith is that gift God has given us that shapes our perspective. Life is gray and uncertain and uncontrolled, but God calls us to do more than simply accept our vulnerability. God wants us to live in joy in spite of and through that truth. Joy right now, even now. How can we have that given this very nature of life? How can we come to see gray as a quite beautiful color? For centuries, people have expressed ways to cultivate and live in joy amidst the uncertainty of life. Way back in 1817, the poet John Keats suggested that we adopt a state of negative capability. That is, we simply choose to be at peace with the gray, and we train ourselves to be capable of being in uncertainties, mysteries, doubts, without any, quote, irritable reaching after fact and reason. The German poet Rilke spoke of living the questions, clinging to our curiosity about what is unfolding rather than being undone by it. Comedian Gilda Radner wrote that we must mentally reframe our experiences and embrace them as delicious ambiguity. Keats and Rilke and Radner were years ahead of the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu who settled on a more accessible approach in the Book of Joy the term acceptance. To the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, acceptance is to engage with life on its own terms rather than to rail against the fact that life is not as we would wish. Acceptance is to cease our struggle against the day-to-day -day current. It is to free ourselves from our expectations and live in the present moment. In the words of Reinhold Niebuhr, it is to accept the things we cannot change it is the opposite of resignation. Acceptance is hard work. It takes practice. In our second summer book, Credo, William Sloan Coffin says that it also requires courage. It takes courage to accept your mental illness and stay on medication. It takes courage to accept your disease of alcoholism and work the steps for the rest of your life. It takes courage to accept and live within your means instead of trying to buy a different life on credit cards. It takes courage to accept that no matter how much your aging self still wants to drive your car, or how much your old aching knees still feel the pull of a black diamond run in Aspen, you cannot do those things anymore without harming yourself or harming others. It takes courage to accept that the person you love is incapable of loving you. It takes courage to accept the death of a dream and move on to something new. It takes courage to accept the value of living in the gray. Acceptance. This is unbelievably hard, but it is a necessary part of our journey if we are to ever know joy. 
Joy comes because acceptance brings us something else, power. Faith, by God's grace, provides us the power of perspective. The controversial activist Angela Davis said that we are to accept the things we cannot change and change what we cannot accept. Our three authors suggest the same. From a place of acceptance, we transform ourselves from being reactive to being powerfully proactive. We can accept that there is good we can do in this gray. And more importantly, we accept that our contributions to the world do not come with our own sense of what those contributions will accomplish. Our time and our energy are God's to use. Putting our preconceived notions aside, we do not know what change will look like, but we can hope for it and we can work for it nonetheless. Acceptance, letting go of our expectation, engaging in life on its own terms, doing our part to make the life we share better, those we must have if we are to know joy. But as if that weren't hard enough, there is something still more. Saturday Night Live's Stuart Smalley in Al Franken's voice made light of our deep need for self-acceptance, saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Self-acceptance is also required for joy. And as Christians, this is the place we begin. God accepts us, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We are God's children, God's creation. No matter the circumstances of our birth, the trauma we've endured, the striving that drives us, the expectations others have put upon us that we simply cannot live up to, life is coming to terms with ourselves, accepting our particular strengths and weaknesses, our gifts and flaws, and all our wrinkles. God accepts us. We can accept ourselves. God loves us. We can love others. This is the kind of daily acceptance that takes daily work. The Dalai Lama put it this way, Every day is an opportunity to begin again. Every day is your birthday. Saying in a different way what Paul has told us about daily renewal. And Paul teaches us something else. Joy can only be found in this life when we accept the inevitable end of life, that which we call death. Our outer nature is wasting away. We are dying. Those we love are dying. Paul has the gall to call this a slight momentary affliction because he knows that we shall overcome it. As Christians, our acceptance is grounded in faith. What is beyond this earth, the eternal, what cannot be seen, is our hope, our destination, our ultimate goal. While the presence of suffering accompanies our search for joyful living, joy will last and suffering will not. Death will end, and life will go on. Thus, we can live with tragedy, not paralyzed by the fear of it. We can live with anxiety, because faith strengthens and buoys the full meaning of our lives. Our faith assures us that death is transitory. Everything here, all the tragedy, all the comedy, and everything in between, points to something more incredibly wonderful and unfathomable and valuable there. 
Paul explains that the pain and death we deal with here are not hints of what is to come. They are not the foretaste. Joy and love and laughter and beauty, those are the hints. Those are the foretaste. They are what shall be. Thanks be to God. The poets Donald Hall and Jane Kenyon met and married after a meeting here at the University of Michigan. Don struggled with many health issues, but it was Jane's cancer that took her at the young age of 47. His love for her, his caretaking of her was the greatest experience of his life. His acceptance of her devastating death was the hardest. Many volumes of poetry, many words were written before he could accept her death and move to the next phase of his life. He lived in the grave for a long time. Joy took a long time. For some of us, it takes many days, many attempts, and a whole lot of help. Everything we love will die, including us. Accepting that is no easy step. There is a time to be born and a time to die. But Paul adds what Ecclesiastes could not, that there is also a time to rise again. The Old Testament must be read in the light of the new one. Death is acceptable because we have faith in our salvation. The grace of God has saved us. Because Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, came for us, death is not the final word to be said about any of us. Not death, but life. The everlasting, the unseen, everlasting arms of God will call us home. Final acceptance. The song, Turn, 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 included only the words of Ecclesiastes, except for one line. I swear it's not too late. It's not too late. What do you need to accept? Accept life's uncertainty, the beautiful gray that defines our lives, the reality of death? What do you need to change? Change the expectations that are crushing you? Change your focus from what you see in front of you to welcome the unseen that is yet ahead of you? Acceptance gives us perspective. It gets us power. It gets us joy. And it gets us home. I've asked Tom and Doris to lead us in another song, a song of acceptance that touches my heart no matter what I'm struggling with in any day. And I pray it will touch your heart too. So blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, for your promise is true. You are with us always, even to the end of the age. We give you thanks for in the beginning you created a word and the whole world reflects your glory. We give you thanks for with a word you called out your people, called yourself into a people, and you gave us breath, your name, and your blessing. We give you thanks for the prophets throughout all the ages who shared your vision, who spoke your truth. And called us to your way even when we had turned our backs upon you. When we would not listen, your persistent promises sought us out. You walked among us. You became flesh. Your very body, your life, and your love became home for us. Even when we acted out of fear uncertain, you reached out to save us. And we speak out of fear, blaming and accusing, shouting without listening. You whisper in your still, small voice. 
I am with you. So gratitude and praise fill our hearts, O God, and lift us to your heavenly banquet. Friends, we open our eyes to see your glory and to see that your guest list exceeds that of our own. Give us courage to enact your kingdom feast at each and every table in a world where many thrive, where profit is more often important than people, and when violence seems the order of the day. So fill us again with the spirit of peace and let your whispers be heard. Among and above bombs and bullets, shouts and jeers, advertising and posturing. So we carry these burdens to you at this table, O God, and pray that you would fill us with all grace, that the bread that we break might be your body broken for us again and anew, and the cup that we share might be the cup of blessing poured out for all. We pray this and all so much more in your name, remembering that you came among us that we might not be alone, and who taught us to say these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.